Hello, and welcome to the weekly market podcast from BNP Paribas Asset Management. I'm Daniel Moore, Senior Investment Strategist, and I'm joined this week by Julien Hauffon, who is the Head of Pension and Corporate Solutions here at BNP Paribas. Uh, and this week, other than, as always, talking about uh, developments in the markets and the outlook, uh, Julia is going to share his insights on equity risk protection, which I think is something certainly most of us uh, are thinking about, and if not, probably should be thinking about. Before we speak with Julia, a few comments on what we've seen in the markets recently. Uh, it was a good week. Um, generally speaking, the data that we got on the economic front actually wasn't very good. But it was better than expected, and the market seems to be in one of those moods when it wants to focus and concentrate on the good news uh, and ignore the bad news. So, for example, uh, we got German retail sales data, and retail sales fell 7%, which you would think was bad, but it was expected to fall 12%, so therefore falling 7% was good, and that's what the markets seem to think. So, in general... Uh, gains for the markets overall, high yield spreads coming in, notably uh, a weaker dollar, which is another uh, important sign that I think we need to follow in terms of market sentiment. Interestingly, we're also seeing a lag in the performance of technology, so a bit of rotation into some of the other sectors that have underperformed up to now, and that at least partly might have to do with what have become quite high valuations within the technology sector by one measure, price-to-book ratios as high as the sector has been in a couple of years. That said, as I mentioned, markets kind of focused on the good news, focused perhaps a bit more on the near term and less on the longer term, which is a bit the opposite of what equity markets are supposed to do. But the reason I say that is the news that the market seemed to react to this week was around the loosening of lockdown restrictions, potential resumption of tourism, at least in Europe, uh, also, some good news about a uh, potential aid package from the European Union, uh, but perhaps not paying enough attention to what, unfortunately, are rising infection rates in numerous countries, uh, not just in parts of Asia, Hong Kong and South Korea and Taiwan, but also in Europe and France, in the Netherlands and Spain and the UK. So still uh, more than lingering concerns that if those infection rates continue to rise, governments are going to feel obliged to reimpose some sort of lockdown restrictions. And then again, we'll worry about the implication of that for equity markets. The other thing to note uh, is that the VIX, the volatility index for the S&P 500, is also still somewhat elevated. So certainly don't want to suggest uh, that there isn't still concern in the market that can be seen in various asset classes. Last thing to mention to watch for the data that's coming out this week, primarily it's going to be PMI data, uh, which isn't at this point, honestly, particularly insightful uh, because it's generally going to show that, at least in Europe and also in the U.S., uh, economies, businesses still continuing to contract, even if not necessarily as quickly as they have done over the last couple of months. So that's allowed, and I think it's safe to say that uh, we all perceive in that uh, quite a few number of risks. Uh, Julia, if I can turn to you, you know, we have nonetheless seen that equity markets have bounced back quite impressively since March. Uh, but what are the risks that investors should be thinking about now? 
Well, I'm probably going to be uh, the bearer of bad news compared, compared to you. I'm, I'm really in risk management. So what I see is that uh, this, the, 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 the crisis may not be over. Um, and this is one of the issues that uh, you, you, you encounter with extreme market corrections is that they are unpredictable. So first of all, you don't know if you hit the bottom and uh, you may have uh, some relief for a few weeks. But um, in reality, you do not know if it's not going to start again for one reason or the other uh, after, after a few weeks, after a few months. Secondly, one of the, the issues, if you look at the, the VIX, is still at around 30. So market volatility has not gone after the first shock. It can continue to affect prices for some time. So if you look only at this, I think there's food for thought. I mean, it's a bit worrying. Um, you were talking about the spreads coming down in high yield, but it's still very, very high and much higher than they, they've been for, for investment grade. Um, investment grade bonds have been bought in the, in, in, the, on the, in the Eurozone by ECB. There was no such support for high yield. Finally, you have the, the risk, as you mentioned, of a, of a resurgence of the epidemic, a second wave, and then you have all the political risks. So all, all in all, I think that um, even though uh, we are um, now uh, deconfining, even, I don't think it's a, it's a word, but I think it's a word that has been used by, by on TV and in media, media recently, um, I, and I, there are some so in green areas and some positive news. I, I, I would remain very cautious when it comes to equity. Yes, well, spoken like a, a true risk manager, uh, which is definitely the attitude that, that you should have. Uh, and as you mentioned, I didn't uh, discuss the political risk, but we're also, of course, very aware of rising tensions between the U.S. and China. And we have the experience over the last couple of years of what that can do to the markets under the right circumstances. So with all those risks uh, that it's unfortunately quite easy to enumerate, what are some of the solutions you propose to investors that are seeking some protection from those risks? Because we have a, a very fluid situation, we've been thinking that the solution, the strategy that will protect equity investors against risks that are on the downside and suddenly if they're not, and then you, can, you can suddenly if you see a rebound of 10, 15%, we had to come up with something a bit more innovative. We had to come up with stuff which were not obvious and they're not to the, the tra traditional uh, downtrodden routes that everyone is taking of doing a simple future edge or a simple uh, equity option edge. We had to create something which actually is completely innovative for multiple levels. First of all, because it's a hybrid type of hedges uh, using both futures and equity options, equity index futures and equity index options. Uh, and um, we, because we noticed that there is a, a lot of diversification benefits to be uh, gained by mixing the two types of risk instruments in one protection strategy. Secondly, those strategies which use both types of risk management instruments have to be also defined or designed with a number of features that can really help uh, manage short-term risks as well as potential long-term upside. We, we, we have to really embed everything into them. The first thing is that you do not know what's going to happen in the next three months, so even next month, we see in March, April, market going down by 30% and coming back roughly by 20, 25% back up, depending how you calculate this and which index you're following. So we have to be able to reset on a regular basis the level of the protection. That means if you have 
put options, protection, downside protection, you have to restructure them, Re reset the level of protection, 80, 90, 95% of the market levels. But those market levels change really fast, so you have to be able to be reactive and reset following the market. Secondly, you want to avoid being completely locked out of the market if after a strong fall, you're completely protected using futures. If you do this, you're not going to participate in the rebound. So you really want to make sure that you calibrate the amount of futures that will be used to correctly participate in, in, an, in a rebound. A couple of other things um, worth noticing in, in, in our strategies. First of all, we start to sort of split the risk budget. We try to make sure that the things that can be fully hedged with equity options, limited amount of risk, good protection on the downside, and potentially also um, participation in the upside, are really left to the to equity options. The other things often are left to equity futures. So really split the amount of risk you will be uh, protecting or let's say managing with one or the other risk instruments. Additionally, we try to make sure that um, the uh, type of financing that our protection gets, essentially the amount of money you need to pay for the premium of the put options. Usually you get this by selling calls, by selling potential upside. We try to minimize the, the, that the amount of uh, risk of being short, meaning simply that markets are going up again and you are capped out, you are limited in your potential upside because you've sold the wrong, side, the wrong level of calls. So we really try to optimize um, the, the type of uh, uh, structures that we get before hands. But the real innovation is also beyond the structuring of an algorithm, the structuring of a strategy. It's also in the management itself. By giving more leeway to our PMs, to our portfolio managers, and to, so they can implement a more active risk management, so actively managing the hedge. In a sense, they will also get set of indicators to decide if they should or not sell, for example, a call to fund the protection. If we believe that the risk downside, but suddenly there's also potentially a nice little run rally of 10, 15%, we have to make sure that we minimize the risk of uh, not capturing it. Additionally, this requires a understanding of market indicators, market signals, and this is what we developed with our colleagues from the Contractive Research Group. Uh, we all work together with a research team to get at the right indicators. You talked about how you needed to have innovative solutions for what is a quite new environment uh, for most of us. Why do you think that the solutions that you've developed are better than those offered by your competitors? Well, in traditional terms, when you implement a, a, a risk management protection for equities, you realize that you have to manage trade-offs between two things, the amount of costs that you'll be paying and the amount of risk you'll be managing, you'll be hedging, you'll be transferring. Let's look at the, at the traditional um, strategies in terms of costs first. You can buy a lot of protection, uh, buying a lot of puts, put options, but then it's enough from costs you're going to pay. It's really expensive. So you really have to understand how you're going to manage those costs. So buying too many puts, too much or too much uh, put option protection will cost you a lot of money. So this is the first dimension that we know that traditional strategies have been trying to manage by selling upside. That's why I was mentioning uh, earlier that we really be careful. We really careful when we sell upside or not don't sell upside because we believe that 
if your front cost is too high, you will be, it's going to be a drag on return. But then if you fund it by selling too much upside, you're not going to um, participate in the rebound. So the first dimension is optimized in our strategies. The first dimension being that the cost is really taken, taken into account. We really review on a regular basis how much premium you can get by selling calls or how much premium you can save by not hedging with too high puts or too many puts. We try to make sure that this is taken into account. The second element, and this is where uh, I would like to be a um, bit more, I will enter slightly a bit more technical um, area of our work, is the, the risk that um, you have and you bear when you implement such a protection. First of all, you face what we, we, we would call a timing risk. A timing risk is really you and your lock in some ways. If you, went, if you had put in place a protection in January, even if it was expensive, the fact that February, March were awful months would have been made it anyway very worthwhile for you to do it. Now, if you've done it maybe a year before, you may have lost a year of premium. It, it will cost you. The timing has been, has been wrong, and it's going to cost you a year of potential upside that you might, might have lost or simply upfront cost premium you might have paid. The second um, element that you have to take into account is that the, those um, strategies, futures and, and, and options, are often um, revised. I mean, they're always, put in, they're always put in place for a limited amount of time, a year, six months, or two years, depending on what you do, and they are regularly revised. If you try to revise one in the middle of a crisis, for example, if you've been, been unlucky and you had to revise or roll, what we call roll a, a, a protection on the 31st of March, that may have been a catastrophe. It may have been very difficult for you, to, for you to do it. So what we create also is overlapping protections in the sense that even if part of it comes to an end or let's say come to a maturity at the middle, middle of the crisis, most of the protection will still be effective, will still be uh, working. Uh, and if you can't roll, if you can't put it back into place exactly at the end of March, you're still protected for 90, 95% of your entire exposure. All this are, in fact, components of two things, the cost efficiency and the cost effectiveness of your protection. The cost efficiency is simple, how much risk you are transferring for how much premium you're paying. And the first cost effectiveness is saying that, are you taking into account all potential, or let's say majority of the potential market scenarios? If there is a minus 50% shock, by how much are you protected? By 30%, 40%, 50%? Are you completely protected or are you only partially protected? All those questions are taken into account when we look at the cost and the risk. Finally, in simple terms and for a framework that is understandable, I think, by most of our, uh, the listeners, we are trying to optimize the risk return framework. How much risk for how much return? By limiting um, the costs, you have less drag. By optimizing the risk, you have less down, those drawdown risks. Both of them together make that on average, we can really get a high performance of equities, capturing the high performance without getting the extreme volatility. So if I can summarize what Julian said with us, number one, uh, clearly as all of us dealing with a very unpredictable environment, very volatile environment, we can certainly see the uncertainty about the future, for example, just by looking at the range of GDP forecasts that are out there for this year. Uh, ranging from uh, you know, anywhere from zero to minus 10%, depending on the economy. So it's an environment where, as Julian points out, you need innovative solutions 
for what is really a unique situation and the strategies that they've developed uh, allow investors to be reactive to the market, to calibrate their hedging strategies to the developments in the market, allow them to manage the positions that they have and the hedges that they have very actively, which allows them to propose solutions that are cost-effective, being sure not to pay too much money to protect the portfolios without trying to avoid capping the upside that the uh, portfolio hopefully can still capture in the event that markets uh, do go better than expected, and also importantly focusing on the timing of the implementation of the strategies to maximize uh, the risk and the reward for the portfolios. So that's it for this week. Thank you again for joining us. If you have any further questions, please do not hesitate to reach out to your BNP Paribas Asset Management contact, and we both wish you a very good week. This podcast presentation includes a discussion on current market events and is not intended as investment advice or an offer of products or services by BNP Paribas Asset Management. Please keep in mind that the information and analysis in this presentation is only current as of the publication date.